attacks from without and within when it comes to the Christian view of the LGBTQ push, homosexuality at large, and its effect on religious freedom in both the United States and across the world. We'll talk about all of that today, plus an Axios report about Joe Biden having a bit of a temper on the Palmetto Family Matters show. And with that, we welcome you in again. I, You know, when we have, Mitch, people who host other shows, I have to be careful. Today, we are the second fastest growing and 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 sort of the no. second strongest <laughs> conservative talk show in South Carolina. We're joined today by Dr. Tony Beam, uh, who, who is joining us via Zoom today. So we're, we're glad to have him on. Mitch, tell us a little bit more about what Dr. Beam does and why today we're the second fastest growing. Well, Dr. Beam's reputation precedes him. He needs really no introduction. And uh, he is he's the uh, most importantly for this podcast today he's a, a father a husband and a grandfather um but he's also the chairman of our board here at palmetto family he hosts a daily radio show and podcast here on facebook if you're watching on facebook you can go over to uh christian worldview with dr beam and uh truth is it what what is the exact name of truth and politics is that it truth and politics and culture there it is um he's also at north greenville university he's also uh uh, with the Baptist Southern Baptist Convention here in the state of South Carolina, he wears many hats. He's also interim pastor at at, at Five Forks, Five Forks Baptist Church over in Centerville. That's uh, correct. Thank you. Thank you. So let me just jump in. Oh, hey, it's my pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity. It's it's a pleasure to be on the fastest growing yeah. podcast and show in South Carolina. Uh, I'm just getting out of the blocks. Um, I've learned how to do all this stuff. I did 22 years of live radio and had a producer so who could read my mind after a few years. Yeah, that's right. And so I just walked in, sat down and did my thing. And now I'm walking into my dining room, sitting down and producing and having to produce content and do the whole thing myself. And so I'm just now getting ready for people to actually listen to me <laughs> <laughs> because I'm, I think I'm starting to make sense and I'm somewhat able to bring all the elements together to have a fairly decent show. So it is truth and politics and culture. You can go to, uh, if you want to go to the website, it's drtonybeam.com. That's drtonybeam.com. And you can listen live from 7.30 to 8.30 every morning. YouTube, Facebook um, is live at that time. Then it's posted to both of those locations. And then you can uh, follow the podcast by going to Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast, look for Truth and Politics and Culture, and sign up for free, and it will magically come to your smart device every day. We love free. Yeah. I traffic in free a lot. Yeah. Well, I love free. Yeah, me too. I, I listen to the Freedom. show. Freedom! There you go. <laughs> I listen to at least part of the show, if not most of the show, most mornings, and I, I'm telling you, it's a great show. It's a great pick-me-up-and-wake-me-up every morning. If you're not familiar with the show, we'll we'll put the uh, the website in the show notes just down below here. Yeah. Whether you're on Facebook, YouTube, or uh, our website, we'll make sure that you've got the website to go and check out. Truth Absolutely. in politics and culture. Absolutely. By Thank the way, you. as of the time of this recording, it is eleven twelve a.m. Oh, yes. on Tuesday, 
July 11th in the year of our Lord, 2023. The news is always breaking. And of course, we want to remind you that here we don't break the news. We sprain it. We sprain it. And so we're going to get into a little bit of what's going on uh, across the country. Specifically, uh, really quick, let, let's let's touch on it now. There was an Axios report that came out yesterday. I cannot repeat some of the things that the Axios report said they that were, the president said. They were dashes and stars. Asterisks and, and all okay. this other stuff. The president apparently has a bit of a temper, and I know that's shocking for you considering a call, he called a guy fat on the campaign trail. He called face. a young lady a dog, lying dog-faced pony soldier. soldier. He pointed his finger uh, viciously at a man who talked about Second Amendment and, and yelled at him. So this is shocking, really. So I, I'll ask both of you in, in this case. Uh, this report from Axios that, that cites staffers, we'll, we'll go to Dr. Beam first. Is this a, hey, he's really, really not fit to be president look from some of his staffers, they want him out? Or is this an attempt by legacy media to say, you know what, he's not as old and adult as you think he is. In fact, he's so into it that he's yelling at people. Well, actually, it's also interesting to note that when he came into office, one of the things he said very angrily is that if any of his staffers were disrespectful to each other they would be fired on the spot on the spot he actually emphasized that so in in that regard he needs to reach reach around as andy griffin would say and take a hold of his own britches because he's been very disrespectful uh to staffers to reporters can you imagine if uh you know we we spent what four years listening to the press whine about how president trump was disrespectful to them and then we've got uh joe biden here getting away basically with um, language murder, uh, going after some of these people. Now, as you know, this picture that has been painted of him, of the harmless, genial grandfather, who's just kind of stroll into the White House and return us to some sense of normalcy, has been totally shattered by uh, Biden's behavior and by this report. As far as what the what this means, I mean, think about it. Over the weekend, you had The Atlantic basically write a, a, an editorial saying, hey, Joe, you're too old. It's time to get out. You had Maureen Dowd uh, in The New York Times jumping on Biden because he's got a four-year-old granddaughter that he won't acknowledge. Um, and he's, I mean, she was, you know, basically coming after him over that. And then you've got the Axios report about that he's not the genial grandfather. He's, his, his demeanor is demeanor than we think. <laughs> so here's, you know, here's, here's the thing that I would say. Um, I, I think there's one of three things going on and maybe all three. One, if you notice the legacy media every now and then has to do some negative stories just so they can keep a straight face when they say we're not biased. And you, you, you see this, you saw this with Obama, you saw this with Clinton, you saw this with Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton. Every now and then they'll open a little window. It's almost like they call a timeout and say, okay, let's throw a couple of negative stories out there so that when we get jumped on, we can point to them. So could be that, could be that they're not looking at so much at that is that they're looking at their candidate and they realize that with the Biden baggage, 
the Hunter Biden baggage and maybe even the president's own baggage, the fact that he wanders around and has to have a handler to get off of a stage, that he walks out of interviews while he's still live on television. There that was a prick on that stage. That, yeah, that was... <laughs> I mean, that was hilarious. I, I was I, I watched that happen live. I can't I was actually for some reason I was watching that at the time. I wanted to see that interview because I, I knew it was going to be a softball interview. And I was it, it was just hilarious. But anyway, you got that. So they're looking at him. They're listening to him with all these gaffes. And they're realizing that this is not going to work, that it's maybe possible that Donald Trump could beat this guy. I mean, the, the mantra all along is we want Trump as the candidate because he can't possibly beat Biden. And now I think they're getting nervous that Biden is going to be so far gone because they can't put him in back in the basement. We don't have COVID anymore. He's going to actually have to get out there and campaign and make a make a case for him being reelected. And that's the worst thing that he can do, because the more public exposure he gets, the more the public sees that he's got no business being up there. So I think there's a lot at play in all of this. I, I agree with that. And Dr. Beam touched on this, Mitch. You have a situation now where it, it it's almost like a perfect storm. You you've got con you've got comments about his conduct in private with his staff that if you're a staff member of the president, it's an initiation for you to be yelled at and excoriated in the West Wing and in the Oval, which to me, if you would have written that about a Republican president, that Republican president's next to Nixon, right? Uh you, you have reports of the simple fact is you're not allowed to mention the four-year-old granddaughter in Arkansas, which to me, you can't be a benevolent, loving grandfather who likes ice cream if you will not at all mention the fact that your son sired a child and refuses to let that child use the last name of which he's profited off of. I have a problem with this story. And and now you have a situation where he, he has to be helped everywhere. He looks stiff. He looks rigid. We're not piling on it. It's 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 a matter of concern. I think Democrats are seeing that if this is their candidate, they might have a problem, as Dr. Beam just mentioned. Are is the is the party worried at all? Because you do have a fringe candidate running against him and Bobby yeah. Kennedy Jr. Is the, the party's not worried, worried, but are they worried for the future? Worried is not what I would say. And, and let me go back. Dr. Beam, you pointed out a perfect point here. This this misnomer of an empath in chief that we were offered uh, post-election in 2020 and 2021, he's being sworn in as this guy who's going to just, you know, get us all together around the, the rocking chair, read us a bedtime story. I don't uh, trust him to rock in a rocking chair. Uh, I, I don't think any of that's real. Um, I think he's being propped up by his staff. I don't think he's in charge. I think that, and I know this sounds like tinfoil hat kind of stuff, but I, I don't think he's in charge at all. I think he's uh, rolled into the White White House West Wing occasionally to make a speech or to look present or to take some photos. And he's probably around a little bit more, but he doesn't have the final say on anything. Um, I also believe this isn't necessarily the party, the Democratic Party being worried or the leg legacy media being worried. This is them keeping their options open. Um, and, and you know, we, we've kind of game plan through this. What happens if this happens? And the ultimate answer is who knows? Um, you know, if if we believe this is still up to the electorate then um then who knows right. and a lot can happen before january sure. when the democratic presidential primary comes to uh south carolina right because and and 
we make another good point. We mentioned Joe Biden having to campaign. If we if we roll time back to 2020, 2019, 2019, when Joe Biden was actually actually actively campaigning for the nomination for president from the Democratic Party, uh, those moments included dog faced pony soldier calling. Hey, look here, fat and. Which still cracks me which up. He said, I think he said he could do more push-ups than the other I guy. I could do more push-ups than you. Listen here, fat. And <laughs> it's just so good. And it also included... Well, I, don't know. I don't know. Excuse me for interrupting. Did you see him without his shirt on at the beach the other day? That was I not mean, a this, this guy is an Arnold Schwarzenegger in waiting. I mean, he might actually can do a lot of push-ups as long as somebody has a, a rope around his chest, pulling him up and then lowering him back to the beach. Long gone, long gone are the days of two kings squaring off against one another. But can you imagine Joe Biden arm wrestling um, any world leader for that matter, let alone like Vladimir Putin or shirtless on a horse, Gigi, <laughs> Gigi Ping. You know, can you imagine the, the fearless leader? He walks in arm, arm wrestling. Well, I just, I well, Bobby Kennedy's posting video. Bobby Kennedy Jr. Sorry. Is posting videos <laughs> of him doing backflips off of boats and doing push-ups to prepare for his campaign because he's young and hip. Uh, but, but when Joe Biden, back to the point, when Joe Biden was campaigning in 2019, trying to win the nomination, and he had all these moments that also included, by the way, not just the two I mentioned, but also the whole hairy leg thing. Um, he was not performing well. He finished, what did he finish? Fourth in New Hampshire, fifth in Iowa. My gosh, Pete Buttigieg was beating Joe Biden. And he's not a good candidate. Then he comes to South Carolina, gets the Clyburn bump, wins South Carolina, and then it's not just winning South Carolina. Shortly after the primary here in 2020 for the Democratic Party, shortly after that, COVID gripped the nation, took control, and Joe Biden shuffled off to his basement not to be seen again in public until the debates. And in that time, he was able to campaign from the basement. No one saw him. Even then, by the way, even campaigning in the basement with no public interaction outside of the screen, we still got the, if you vote for Trump and don't vote for me, you ain't black. So there's still problems there. But he was able to win by not being public facing. We're going to really find out in this run if he's able to do it. And then if he's not, I think Dr. Bean make a great point. It really does open the door for Donald Trump to swoop in for lack of a better phrase, in 2024, and regain the ground that he lost in 2020. Yeah, He can regain it very easily. Yeah. Now, when we're talking about regaining the ground and we're talking about taking the ground, there are serious concerns I have. By the way, we are not in the month of June. We have escaped and left the hallowed month of pride in the rearview mirror. Um, that I, hopefully you, uh, Dr. Beam, I don't know about you, but we fell a little short in our household of giving all of our high holy sacraments in the month of pride. We didn't, uh, we didn't go to a pride parade. Um, so we, we didn't, we didn't give our alms. You're not even American. I, you're, you're not even American. If you don't I know, know I hang my head in shame and I put ashes on my forehead and, and tear at my Well, I confess, I confess, I sat out on my deck and looked at a couple of rainbows, but I wasn't thinking <laughs> about pride month when I did that. So um, that's why I, he's I was, Dr. Tony B. You know, that's, I, I, that's, that's about really the only good. homage I paid to Pride Month. So well, we're, but the reason I bring that up is because we have two stories we want to get to. The first one here is from the Daily Signal. And uh, there's this U.N. independent expert. Um, on se- sexual orientation and gender identity. Oh, thank goodness. And they provided an a- he provided an annual report, I'm gendering him, uh, to the Human Rights Council. This is via the Daily Signal. 
The report addressed the conflicts between religious freedom and the rights of LGBTQ plus people to be, quote, free from violence and discrimination. Now, help me. I have two people who can help me today, which is which is great. Um, why is it that in order for the radical sexual revolution to be accepted, my ability to have deeply held religious beliefs gets removed? Why is it that I have to bend the knee to something that just got thought of five minutes ago? Well, because your deeply held religious beliefs are one of the main barriers to this uh, ideology becoming dominant in the culture. And the here, here's the thing that's really interesting about it. I mean, the UN is supposed to be about human rights. Nowhere do you find in founding documents, in current documents describing human rights, or at least any that have been around for more than 10 minutes, do you find an, extolate, an extolling, I'm trying to come up with the right word here, that the right for people to be transgender or same-sex attracted, but in every document that you look to, certainly in the founding of the United States, starting with the First Amendment to the United States Constitution, you find religious rights and personal beliefs and the exercise thereof being sacrosanct in any kind of culture. So here the UN is elevating sexual identity, which is a modern construct, over the, the history of religious liberty and the fact that we're given the ability always in, in these documents to express our religious beliefs freely and without coercion. So I, I think the, the entire report, this universal declaration of human rights, says it all. Where do we find the right for sexual identity and transgenderism? Where is that right enshrined in any document that you can name? Well, I will I will tell you this, that if there's any Supreme Court in the history of the world that has ever been able to find invisible ink in its constitution, it is our previous iterations of the Supreme Court. Within right. our Supreme Court, our Supreme Court in years past has found within the constitution the right to contraception within marriage the right to contraception outside of marriage the right, right to kill children in the womb the right of homosexuals to marry one another again none of these things written anywhere in the constitution we pull it whole cloth out of the penumbras mitch you're looking at this report takes 67 countries that prohibit sexual acts between same-sex adults now many of these are African countries or, or countries in the mm -hmm. East. The two sources of those laws, according to this czar, are, quote, dogmatic interpretations mm -hmm. of scripture yep. and colonial era legislation that has, quote, morphed into norms invoking religion. So, uh, Dr. Beam, you brought up something very, very well stated uh, in that um, these deeply seated religious beliefs are in the way. And, and Dr. Beam's show, our show, have been on the cutting edge of a lot of these issues for some time. And, and I can remember we had you on, Doc, and uh, several others on talking about critical race theory. And I'm going around my elbow to get to my ear, but hang on. I, I think this falls in a larger swath of uh, issue set in critical theory. This isn't just critical. We, we, we need to stop saying, well, critical race theory this or 
it's critical theory in that the higher intersectionality quotient, the better off you are within the new uh, set of features inside the culture, the new rules inside the culture. Mm -hmm. And so what we're finding here is the if if you're white heteronormative, if you're a Christian, if you go to church, if you are, you're a colonialist and you're dogmatic in your beliefs, and what we're we're what we're doing is we're pointing at or the society and reports like this. Uh, outside the church are pointing at Christians and saying, you people are just religious fanatics. And the problem is there's so many fingers pointing right back at them because they're religious fanatics too. Uh, the cultural right. sexual religion is is rampant and it's, it's running down. It's uh, And I would just, since I'm a recovering Baptist preacher, it's ravaging three R's. Um, well you, you know, it's ravaging our, our, our youth. It's destroying families and it and it's wrecking homes around our country. Dr. Janosik, I don't know if you remember this podcast. I do. Uh, Dr. Janosik, uh, he he had a great point when we were talking about critical theory, specifically critical race theory, how no one wants to be called a racist. And uh, uh, Dr. Our, our David Barton brought this point up as well. When we step back into critical theory as a whole. Karl Marx and the bloody revolution that he wanted to occur in the West never could occur for one reason. And we know what that one reason was. It was men and women of courage, conviction, and faith, explicitly the church doing its job inside the culture. And now these attempts are, and I would I would have to argue that they're fairly successful attempts to remove the church from the culture, to say, listen, your time has now passed. Step aside, all of you antiquated, you know, colonial um, Christian, heteronormative, heteronormative white, white bigots, fascist, bigots, bigots, get out of the way. Your time is now spent. It's over. Did you read my email inbox? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I've been called that a lot. So, okay. so what we're seeing now from the UN of all places, because I mean, well, everyone goes to the UN for their news, right, Doc? I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> we follow what they say explicitly. Um, what we're seeing is another, and I'd have to argue, semi-successful attempt to remove the church from the equation. Sure. sure. There's, well, there's, there's a, there's a three-step process that happens when a culture wants to get rid of something or somebody. Um, you marginalize, you demonize, and then you criminalize. Mm -hmm. So you push, you push people of faith to the margins, and then you demonize them and blame them for the ills of society. And then the last step is to actually move to criminalization, where you pass laws that you make it, uh, you know, uh, a crime to say or express a particular tenet of your religious belief because of the perceived effect that it has on another person or a group of people. Let and that's where we are. You know, the Frankfurt School, when you talk about uh, critical theory, Mitch, you're exactly right. I mean, we, we really need to stop saying critical race theory as the main topic that we talk about. We need to go back to the foundation of the Frankfurt School from 1939 when they applied Marxism to, it, the, it's the application of Marxism to political liberalism that they believe was not going to be enough to replace the system, to upend for the, for the proletariat, so to speak, to overwhelm the bourgeoisie. It was going to take more than political liberalism. And so this concept of critical theory, which embraces the class struggle of Marxism, is what they've chosen to use. And we see it come into fruition 
right before our eyes in reports like this from the United Nations. Let me ask you this, and just your opinion, and maybe thought uh, thought exercise: uh, marginalize, demonize, criminalize on that three part path, if you will. Where do you think we are as a society right now? We're at criminalization. Apart from a Supreme Court that has now decided that religious liberty matters, um, that we actually have court members that are carving out space for Christians to live in a culture that is not to, that is denied basic reality. And so um, without that, uh, I have no doubt. I mean, the, the Obama administration, and it was well on a path to criminalizing uh, Christian behavior and cutting out, for example, uh, you know, aid to Christian schools, um, basically the same process. And I know people are going to start doing backflips if if you dare mention the Nazis. But when you look at, at Germany in the 1930s, the process against the Jews began with the, the marginalization, the taking over and closing of their businesses, and then eventually the criminalization and then the elimination. Um, and hopefully we don't ever get to that in a, in a free society that we're supposed to have here, but we certainly can get to the point where people could be convinced that Christian thought is criminal. Yeah. That, I think yeah. that's that's very well the case. And yeah. again, I think it's important uh, for folks here in South Carolina that you demand of your representatives and your senators to get legislation passed that seeks to outlaw the ability of folks to seek this sort of, they call it gender affirming care. We need to make sure we have we we need to make sure we make consistent strides to protect children. We have laws on the books here, yeah. uh, but we need to continue to do what we can to make sure this insidiousness. And, and Doctor Beer's been a part of this yep. uh, with the South Carolina Baptist Convention, um, and then our partners at ADF, along with mm-hmm. our, our our friends and kind of the the mothership with Family Policy Alliance in Colorado Springs. We've been focusing on this, and, and of course, Catholic Diocese of Charleston. We've been focusing on this focusing on this idea of help and not harm and the mutilation of children as young as four years old, either chemically or even physically, how ridiculous and absurd is this? And you're right, doc. I think we're right at the point of if, if the wrong person hears me say this on this show, I could be held criminally responsible for even saying that's ridiculous. Well, you would, you would in California and in Michigan. And we'll, we'll get to another part in just a second. But first, Mitch, we are starting, as we move into this next part of the conversation, we are starting a new show here in the Palmetto Family Matters Network, Beyond the Walls, equipping the church to engage beyond the walls of the church to spread the gospel. And we're going to be talking to different pastors and ministry leaders about how we can, to quote a uh, pastor I listened to, uh, become better Christians. Yeah. And so to that point, we'll be starting that very soon. And I know that's a show and a, and a project that we're both very excited to start working on. And so while we get into the behind the walls segment in just a second, uh, this is this is something interesting coming, Mitch, from Baptist News Global. Baptist News Global uh, has an opinion piece. It was written in late June by Brandon Robertson. Brandon Robertson, if you don't know who Brandon Robertson is, he is an LGBTQ plus theologian, if you will. 
an advocate for the LGBT community. And we want to thank Dr. Beam for joining yeah. us for the first uh, half of our show. Again, we'll have his show link in our news uh, section or in our show notes. You can go back and, and listen to it to his show from today and from previous episodes, mm-hmm. of course, and make sure you get plugged in what he's doing uh, up in the upstate. This is a, this is an opinion piece from, from Brandon Robertson. For far too long, the LGBTQ community has conceded Christianity to traditionalists and conservatives. That's right, traditionalists, allowing them to perpetuate the narrative We're antiquated bigots. that the Bible is clearly anti-LGBTQ and that being queer is... Is a sin. No, being homosexual is a sin. Yeah. Where, where, you, do you see already the word splice here? But the truth is that most of the world's biblical scholars have long agreed that the traditional interpretations of a few obscure biblical texts. Now, see, there's here's my problem I have with this immediately. Whose authority are we trusting? Are we trusting the biblical scholars or are we trusting the the inspired word of God and uh, what it says? I remember um, went to Bible school. Went to Bible college. Then I'm so sorry. Con- yeah, I know. And then I continued on in education through through Christian universities and, and seminary. Um, and I remember several times professors, pastors, theologians would say something, and it, and it, it always kind of confused me, but the more and more I've thought about it, the more it rings true. They would often say, if someone or a group of people come up with some new idea or something that directly flies in the face of the church heritage or history. Now, I'm not saying that church heritage and history should trump the Bible. Of course not. At all. And and has there have been, you know, church issues in the past that have been wrong. But when someone comes up with something new or revolutionary or out of the box, your heresy meter should go off. And I never heard, uh, and I'm thankful for one of our listeners for sending us, sending us this article. I'd never heard of Brandan uh, Robertson. His parents couldn't even spell his name right. Sorry, uh, no offense to your parents. Um, but the, the Bible says nothing about being queer. And then he says down later in the argu- argument or Here's what the Bible actually says about queer people, as if to say, for centuries, if not millennia, you Christians, I'm sorry, we Christians have gotten it wrong, and I, I, and maybe a few of my mentors are going to tell you what we got wrong. So, uh, you know... It was normal for people to engage in same-sex relationships. It was usually... Doesn't mean it was right. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, there was no um, uh, homosexual feeling in these relationships, as explicitly mentioned in Romans chapter one, First Corinthians chapter six. I'll, or read, first, I'll read those verses in just yeah, a second. Yeah, the, the problem, it's, it's asinine. Sorry, I, I listened to an entire interview that he did with Apologia Radio. Now, again, I disagree with Jeff Durbin on many things. And I'm willing to say that in this yeah, space. Yeah. I agree with him on several things. Uh, oh, absolutely. But yeah. I disagree with him on some things because we come at things okay. from a different theological we're, lens. Yeah, that's okay. And that's okay. We're both, we're, we're Christian. And at the end of the day, our brotherhood is in Christ. And so with that, we are good on point A. We can disagree on points B and C and D. He had an hour and 
13 or 14 minute interview with Brandon Robertson where he basically brought him on the show and had to call him out because if you're going to stand and claim the name of Christ and you're doing it and you're doing it against biblical doctrine, you have to be called out. And so he did. It was a very interesting conversation because there's no authority here in, in, in this young man's life. Now, he mentions Romans. Uh, let me go back here. Um, this is why, for instance, in the Greco-Roman world of the New Testament, it was common for men to have sex with their male slaves. Again, if you have children in the car. Because, it, yeah, yeah. However, this kind of sex was not an expression of love, but of exploitation, domination, and unbridled lust, which is why we should not be surprised that the Apostle Paul condemns the practice in Romans one twenty six. Now, Romans one twenty six is a very interesting poll because he doesn't cite the entire text. For the wrath of God, I'm starting in 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. Meaning, meaning you are able to see God in everything. That is why in, in the Roman culture, there was a temple and that temple was dedicated to the unknown God. Mm-hmm. They couldn't know who it was. They didn't know who it was, but we know who it was. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, he's talking about the people, people, all ungodliness, all unrighteousness. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, Mm -hmm. but became futile in thought, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and because of that, they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, bird and birds and four-footed animals and creepy things. They made idols, and one of those idols would be self. Mm-hmm. 24, therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. That is, now if you read more in the New Testament, we know that sexual sin is not sin against another person. It is sinning against your own body. Yeah. That's interesting. And God. And God, of course. And worshiped and served the creature rather than creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, for the re- for, for what I just said is what mm-hmm. Paul's saying. For this reason, read above, God gave them up to vile passions. Mm-hmm. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of a woman, burned in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. That is not coercive, exploitive sex of a, of, with, with a man and his slave. That is burning with lust. Which is wrong. Which is wrong in a heterosexual manner. Across the board. a homosexual manner. Yeah. Now, he also quotes uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. Do you not know, this is Paul writing to the church mm-hmm. in Corinth, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither for, Now, again, we're talking about the church in Corinth. We're talking about mm-hmm. the Greco-Roman world. He's right in this. The, the number of false gods was plentiful. Mm-hmm. There were specific temples where nothing happened in that temple but fornication. Again, children in the car, earmuffs, and massive. Diana. Yeah. The and massive Di- like, at orgies as worship. That happened. Yeah. 
Yeah. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, the good news about this is, huh, I'm going to pull from another text here, and so you once were. Yeah, that's right. He <laughs> called us out of that. Right. So all of you once were, but you have been called out. You have been set aside. You are a, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, as Peter writes. You have been redeemed from that. But again, he quotes these as if they're not correct, as if there's some deeper meaning to them. I'm sorry, sodomites means men having sex with children, uh, male children. Anything sodomite, yeah, anything outside of the normal bounds of sex within in God's design of marriage. And then, and then, and yeah. then we, and then homosexuality. So there are two. Yeah, yeah, there are two. He gives us one more. Uh, he First he, uh, Timothy nine and and ten. But I believe it's important. Uh, he says 1 Timothy 1, 9. Uh, but we need to start in verse 8. Because again, it, it, you can cherry pick any verse you want. Mm-hmm. My father-in-law gives this one uh, quite frequently. Uh, there's a verse that says, uh, and then Judas went and hung himself. Yeah, go and, and then do there's all another likewise. verse that says, go and do likewise. Then yeah. there's yeah. another verse that says, whatever you do, do quickly. If you put that together, yeah, that's a very bad doctrine. Let's go. <laughs> that's a very bad doctrine. So we need to start in verse 8. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, knowing this, verse 9, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate, for the godly, for the ungodly, pardon me, and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators. Fornication is sexual activity in any way outside of marriage. For sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, and if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. Okay, again, you and, and again, all of you once were, or you were called out. Um, separate verse there. All of these things are listed for a reason. This is the problem. And again, I, just as Jeff Durbin, uh, John MacArthur, I disagree with him on many things, but there are some things I agree with him on. He was on with Ben Shapiro, and he says, "Listen, if not for the Old Testament, why would I be a Christian?" Because the law in the Old Testament shows me who I am, mm-hmm. shows me my depravity, shows me that there is a standard that I cannot reach. There is a holy, just God that I am not able to even, uh, I, as John the Baptist would say, I'm not even fit to loosen your sandals. Right. The, the, the law shows me that I'm sinful. Christ comes later and says, not only does the law show it, your own heart shows yeah. it. Because you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I'll tell you the truth, if you lust after a woman in your own heart, you've committed adultery against her. Mm-hmm. So Jesus goes a step further and says that the, the, the law is one thing, but then your heart your heart uh, condemns you as well in the fact that you cannot be holy and perfect and blameless and just. The problem we have with folks like Brendan Robertson and the, the progressive liberal wing of the church is that we we chop out parts of the word we disagree with, mm-hmm. and then we claim that there are parts of the word that agree with our statement, even though we've chopped out the parts that disagree with us. Sure. He goes to Leviticus 18, mm-hmm. and he says that Leviticus 18 is addressed to the Hebrews because of what the Canaanites and the Egyptians were doing. Mm-hmm. That makes no sense. Yeah. That makes no sense. No, it was to set aside God's people as a peculiar and a particular people. It was to call them out of the world and holiness and it was to but that was then mitch this is now this is now those weren't loving homosexual relationships of course yeah and and so you know if we look at the whole of scripture i mean let's and 
Do you want to look at Do you want to look at the whole revelation of of, of God? Uh, I could take you back to the very beginning. <laughs> oh, um, in in God's design. Okay. I mean, I'm intrigued. And dear goodness, I feel like an old, antiquated, outdated Baptist preacher when I say this. You know, look at who God created in the very beginning. He created man and woman, and He created them in His image. He created no other gender. He created no other sexual orientation. He created man and woman. He did that in His image. And then what did they do? They came together, they knew one another, they had children, and they procreated. That's where they, we get the term knew one another in a biblical sense. They, <laughs> that, that's what I was going for. Since you've already hit the kids in the car a few times, I was, I was trying to fly under the radar there. In a biblical there. sense. Of course. Uh, I think... I haven't hit any kids, uh, by the way. No, he, he does not <laughs> abuse children uh, that I know of. I don't. Uh, uh, we're joking. Uh, that Which is something not to joke about. Right. Um, I, I think it's important for us to understand that how God designed things is how he intended them to be. Sure. And then what happens? Man comes along and messes it all up. And Brendan here, Brandon, whoever he is, Brandon is is saying it's okay Brandon. it's okay that we, you know, go along with what man messed up. Because they're not really loving relationships and so what Paul is actually condemning there in Romans chapter 1 or 1 Corinthians chapter 6 or any other passage is not a loving relationship. Because what we have to remember here, you bigoted Christian, is that love is love. And I would argue that toilet water is still water. Fire is a dry heat. There's no humidity in fire. He goes on, I love this conversation that we're beginning to have that the Bible, or there are religions that, that de or that deify that yeah probably that locate and allow for more than two genders and he quotes here that even the Talmud oh and I'm not and I'm not well versed in the Talmud I'll reach out to Ben Shapiro's people see if we can get him on that that the Jewish faith that Judaism has like six or seven genders I disagree with that that's Jewish mysticism by the way that does that that's not practicing my jewish learning.com says that there are eight genders in the talmud yeah so because even the people that ascribe to this can't figure out how many genders there are but this is the thing and michael knowles makes a good point you'll always find this person who says that in, in some in some native american culture that i can't really remember right now there are six or seven you know genders and and the point is i don't care because I ascribe to a Christian worldview, which Genesis one twenty seven in the beginning God created them, both man and woman. He cre- he created them. Yeah, I mean I, that answers the question. When it comes to the question of transgender people, Robertson writes, there is not a single verse in the Bible that directly addresses them. Well, no, <laughs> no, um. I'm sorry that the Bible doesn't say transgenderism, uh, but no. Christians will sometimes quote Deuteronomy 22.5, which says, A woman shall not wear a man's apparel, nor shall a man put on a woman's garment, for whoever does such things is abhorrent to the Lord your God. There, if, What is defined as man's apparel or woman's garment differs between cultures and eras. So what he's saying is the Bible is antiquated and old, mm-hmm. and it's not fit for this culture. These cultural laws in Deuteronomy were intended specifically for the Hebrew people as a means of preserving their culture, Mitch. Preserving culture. Mm -hmm. They were not intended to be a moral law for all people in all time. 
right there at any if anyone ever says that any portion of scripture is not meant for all people all time disqualify everything they say this person is this person is a heretic and i will tell you right now as we close this conversation out and we and we close the show on 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 our day today what i will tell you is flee from brandon robertson flee pray for him pray for him that the revelation of jesus christ as savior as lord as god would confront him and 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 hit him square between the eyes and pray that he comes to know the true God in this lifetime lest he face eternal judgment. But understand, as a Christian, and this is this is where we're going to give you the Palmetto State from a biblical worldview right now, maybe more than we ever have, <laughs> flee from these people. Yeah. Flee from these people. You should have no room at your table for this junk. This is anti-God, this is anti-biblical, this is anti-Christian. This, my friends, is the spirit of Antichrist. Yeah. And I'm not calling Brandon Robertson the Antichrist. I'm saying Scripture tells us that the spirit of Antichrist is is Mm ever-present. This is not biblical. And I'm not telling you that you have to hate people. And I agree with him in this statement. In this statement he makes, the Bible is stunningly clear on one thing. He says that loving your neighbor is the highest and most important command. That's not true. No, the first commandment is love God with everything inside of you. But you can't all, do that. All, but all you can't being. do that if you don't follow God, and that's the point. He 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 doesn't. Mm-hmm. So the first Christ says, "You have heard it said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength." And the second is uh, like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands, love God, love people. Hang all the law and the prophets. But when you love God, when you love God, you love his word. Mm-hmm. And when you love his word, when you love the truth, you want more of it. Mm-hmm. It's an insatiable desire. The whole thing of um, if you if you follow him, he'll give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't mean you can stick a Corvette on your fridge and name it and claim it, and he's going to give you, oh, I'm, I'm loving the Lord. He's gonna give you. No, if you love the Lord, the desire of your heart will be? What he wants. What he wants, and the Lord ultimately but loving people is a good is a good point too. Yeah, and well, I think that we can disagree with the ideology. Yeah, and still love the people. Now, I won't go into the hate the sinner, hate, hate the, the sin, sinner. love the sinner. What I will say is that we can still reach this segment of society yeah. without compromising on scripture. Yeah, and, and I feel like if we've said this once, we've said it one hundred and fifty times. Love and truth are married to. <clears throat> together they are inseparable truth and grace go together so when we speak the truth we do it in grace if we speak in grace we we must speak the truth right they are inseparable right but if you've got this idea that if i somehow skimp on the truth then people will like me i think your loyalties and your passions are in the wrong place Agreed. matthew chapter 5 tells me that and, and other passages in which jesus speaks directly to his followers say that the world's going to hate you if you follow him. Matthew chapter 7, Luke chapter 9, for example, take up your what? Your cross. Cross and follow me. That means take, persecution. Take up take up your execution Instrument device of death. Yeah, and follow me. We need to put our flesh and the worldly to desire death. to be liked to death. And does that mean that we're angry, mean, hateful? Baptized no. No. It means that we are... Walking in the spirit, 
trusting in Jesus and following the truth of God's word and unashamed to speak truth into the culture. And I think if the church and people of courage, conviction, and faith won't do it, then we're in trouble. We are in deep trouble as a nation. We're already in that, and I'm afraid that it's because the church hasn't spoken up. So how how do we fix that? You speak. Speak in truth. Speak in love. Speak the truth, whether people like it or not. And and speaking of speaking of truth, as we wrap up, I want to remind you that if you want to learn more about what we do at Palmetto Family, visit palmettofamily.org. Sign up for our email newsletter. You can also listen to every podcast there. If you want to follow us on social media, I encourage you to do that. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're not on threads um, because I don't want I don't want Meta having all of my we'd information. Lose our, we'd lose our Instagram account. We'd lose our Instagram account. So I, I don't want to be blocked. Actually, maybe I do. So follow us on social media. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Give it a five-star rating review. If you're listening on the podcast version of the show, make sure you share it with your friends and family. That way they know more. Later on this week, I've got a piece that I want to talk about dealing with Megan Rapino. Oh, Soccer fun. star. Yeah. Uh, she's she won't go. She won't go quietly, though, Mitch. Oh, which I was hoping she would. Uh, she's not going to go quietly. Her and her wife, Sue Bird, they're going to let you know what's going on. Sue Bird. Sue Bird, the WNBA star, they're engaged. Yeah. So They're not married yet? They're not married okay. yet. Doesn't really. Well, they, they're, they'll never be. Um, and so, also, <laughs> want to talk about Sound of Freedom. Sound of yes. Freedom, the, the movie with Jim Caviezel, has netted like $18 million wow. in the box office. It outperformed Indiana Jones... And, and Harrison Ford, um, the 80-year-old doing stunts. And so we're going to talk about Sound of Freedom, and we're going to talk about the media reaction to Sound of Freedom. Oh, it's, Sound of Freedom is a movie about a true story of human trafficking. It's a mixed reaction, however. Well, it's a QAnon film, apparently. Oh, that's right. It's yeah. QAnon. I don't know what QAnon they're, is. Do you know what QAnon is? I don't know what QAnon is. They're... They're conspiracies. These aren't this real. Is real. This is really happening. Human trafficking is happening. This isn't real life. Human trafficking is just a figment of people who are... Dads who want to be superheroes. Yeah, and, and those who are, you know, you? a little paranoid. You know, real quick... It's real. I, I, I feel like I, I need, turning need into to, Alex Jones all of a sudden. We need to, it's real. <laughs> we need to turn the frogs gay. We need, we need to leave. We need to get done. Okay. Can I just say this? There is, there is a concern I have... When the media is looking you in the face and telling you, looking at you and saying this movie about a true story is a right wing conspiracy theory and you shouldn't listen to it because it's not real. Really? Phoning Joseph Goebbels? Really? It's all the time we have as we end the show. Really? Uh, this is all the time really? we have. We're so glad you joined us. Thank you again to Dr. Tony Beam for joining us. If you want more information on truth, politics, and culture with Dr. Tony Beam, make sure you listen to him every every weekday morning, 7.30 to 8.30, and then you can listen to us in the afternoon. What a good balance. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a good balance to have two shows like ours, yep. the, the first and second fastest growing. You can determine yeah. which is which. For now. We defer. We defer. We'll, we'll receive the second half kick. For now, Mitch Prosser to my left, our entire staff at Palmetto Family Position to my left, not left ideo- ideologically, no, our entire know. staff huh, <laughs> at Palmetto, probably, at Palmetto Family. We thank you so much for joining us here on the fastest growing and strongest conservative talk show in the state of South Carolina. Enjoy the All-Star Game tonight at Palmetto Family Matters Show. Mm-hmm.